In this episode, we are continuing our conversation with Joe and Keisha from the Student Advocacy and Wellness Hub. In our episode pre-meeting, you mentioned that there are some common themes among students accessing counseling. Which ones are the most common? I would say students come to us because they're feeling sad and kind of down. Um, They've lost motivation for their programs and they're like, do I really want to do this? Um, And typically that sometimes happens during the second or third year of school. having a hard time concentrating, um, just fears or worry about what's coming next for them, Um, just kind of low mood, Um, what? Burnout. Yeah, burnout. Imposter syndrome is huge. I don't think they know that they're struggling with perfectionism, but that is probably definitely a big one as well. So and the family, some some family trauma coming up sometimes when they get burnt out. So those are probably the main ones, would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So some of the ones that uh, we wanted to start with uh, were burnout and self-care, and mm-hmm. you'd identified that they go hand in hand. Uh, but before we get started, maybe we can define burnout. Yeah, so burnout is when you are emotionally and physically and just mentally exhausted. Um, I would say that emotional exhaustion is from just kind of caring about something for too long. That's kind of, I guess, an easy way to say it. So you've been running at full steam on on a goal and you're just, you're you're mentally exhausted. Um, And depersonalization is another one because you almost it's like you lack empathy you you don't care about stuff anymore um kind of flat you're you're not upset you're just you you just lack luster like things will come and you're like oh oh well it might be things that you love that you just don't really care about um and then maybe a decreased sense of accomplishment so um just feeling unfulfilled like you've, you've, I've even heard people say, you know, I, I graduated and I waited to get to this goal and I was happy maybe for the day and then I didn't feel anything anymore. So it's like, no, nope, you're burnt out. It still matters and you did amazing, but you just, you have nothing kind of left in the tank. So, yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So we, in your answer, you kind of uh, covered the preliminary signs of burnout. So what can you do if you're noticing those? So a lot of people reach out because of that. They're wondering, like they'll come see our ad, ad, um, student advisors to, to ask them, like, do you think I'm still on the right track? Do you think this is really what I want to do? Um, and then that's when I guess Joe and um, Dr. Killam and our, and our other advisors would really work steps through with them to see where they're at so that's usually how they present or a friend would suggest that they come because they're not noticing Um, a lot of people don't notice when they're burnt out until they're burnt out so they don't notice the steps because we're not really at first the first time that it happens you don't recognize what it what is happening and then you know you come and you get help and you're able to to see the steps that got you there so that it doesn't necessarily happen again. 
we could talk about mm-hmm. that on the back end of it. And I feel like, yeah, it's such a slow progression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by the time maybe I meet with them or you meet with them, um, there's zero capacity left. So it is, like when I'm talking to them and they're like, I don't feel, things don't bring me joy anymore that used to bring mm-hmm. me joy. And um, you're like, oh, okay, you know, have you hung out with your friends? No. Like there's like just zero capacity for anything that, mm-hmm. I mean, once we work it through and they get support, um, they can very much articulate like, oh, I was burnt out mm-hmm. and all of these things suffered. And I wasn't and the, fooling yeah, anyone. Like the people, acknowledgement comes after. Yeah, it's yeah. like hindsight is twenty twenty. So looking back, it was like, oh, I don't ever want to be like that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's because of hindsight. That's not because you saw what was happening. Mm-hmm. Right? And then, so you're saying through accessing help, then if you're down the road to burnout again, you are better equipped with tools that your therapist might have taught you to identify it earlier so you don't get to the feeling numb mm-hmm. kind of stage. And hopefully in there is coping strategies right. so you don't get to that point gotcha. in a perfect world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to help you get out and then coping strategies so that you don't go back there again. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, that's really important. Um, And so something that we had talked about before was taking time off or a leave of absence. And so I went and talked to um, some of the graduate program administrators. And so we're going to link the grad student calendar and Mm -hmm. it describes, you know, what that process looks like. And they said that it looks different for each student because of the supervisor as well and what they want to agree to. But something that I think students should know is an option. So uh, one of the other things that we were going to talk about with burnout was self-care, on the other hand. So do you mind defining that for me? Absolutely. So usually when I talk to students about self-care, they will say, oh yeah, I know what self-care is. Um, I try to eat healthy and I try to get my three square meals in a day and I do a little bit of exercise and, you know... um, I try to I try to sleep for at least six to eight hours you know and I go okay is there anything else that you do for self-care and then they kind of look at me and some will say oh I play a sport which is exercise too Um, and I think that's wonderful all of those things are wonderful and I think if you're struggling with those things then we should absolutely start there because taking care of our basic needs is really important but they are just basic. Like our bodies need sleep, we need three meals a day, and exercise is kind of a requirement um, to help us stay healthy, right? Um, But when we talk about self-care, we should try to put it in the framework of, um, the simplest way is dating yourself. So when you look at, if you had a really close friend or a partner that you were planning something for, you would set time aside to do that and you would plan an activity that you were going to do for that person. And then if anybody asked you, hey, can I, I wanna do something with you on Sunday from six to eight, you would say, oh, I can't because I'm doing this for somebody, right? So self-care is prioritizing yourself and engaging in 
activities that recharge you. So they could look like a number of things, but I think the most important part is remembering to prioritize yourself like you were dating yourself. So if you're going to go for a massage, we're not canceling it because somebody said, oh, I need I needed to help me with something because you have a meeting with yourself. I always tell people if somebody asks you and you're, you struggle with saying no, then tell them you have a meeting. People respect meetings. <laughs> they, they might not respect, oh, I'm having a bubble bath tonight with music and maybe a glass of wine in there, right? And reading a good book. But, and, and they think, oh, well, you can cancel that and do it kind of later, right? But, but self-care doesn't have to be really expensive. It can be cheap. It can be, you know, I want to read this book that has nothing to do with school. But I think the point is, is making yourself the priority to say, I'm going to do it at this time and nothing's going to interrupt me. Maybe I'm going to put my phone away if you're a phone person, um, you know, and I'm just going to be alone by myself and recharge. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you haven't hung out with friends because you're so consumed by um, studying and, and getting work done. So you plan to actually do something with a friend. The point is, it's protected time. Self-care is protected time. It could be learning a new skill. It could be meditating. Um, but like I said, if the basics aren't being covered, like eating three meals a day, um, sleeping for seven to eight hours, not six. And um, what is the last one I said? Exercising. If those aren't being covered, then you start there. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay. You, no judgment, but start with the basics. And then you can start really trying to prioritize yourself for, for um, extended self-care. But it really is about feeding into yourself and, and becoming a healthier you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think people are intimidated to even start booking off an hour. But I remember one of the therapists described to me, like, it could just be five minutes Mm -hmm. where you're sitting, sipping your coffee in the morning. And that's your time. It doesn't have to be elaborate or fancy. You can start off with that five minute and then expand from there Mm -hmm. to make it more accessible. Because I know a lot of my peers would say, I don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. I love that your therapist suggested in the morning because most of us are already at work or most of us are already at school from the moment like our alarm goes off and we're like, okay, I'm getting ready for school. And that's on our minds. Like we, we miss the face wash and the brushing our teeth. Like it, it, it doesn't even happen. Or for those of us that shower in the morning, like you don't even remember it. Mm-hmm. You don't remember the drive because you're mm-hmm. already, you wake up, your alarm goes off and you're where you're supposed to be at school or at work or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's good to pause yeah, and enjoy your tea or coffee or whatever and mm-hmm. enjoy the morning. Totally. And just be deliberate with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you might not forget everything that you did. Um, so what kind of options are there on campus to support self-care? Joe, do you want to start? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so for our campus in particular, there's the, like if we're going the exercise route, there's the gym downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, we refer to it as the dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> you guys do? And there's one over and there there's, as well. Yeah, there's a nicer one um, in the, oh, what's that building called? Cal now? Wenzel yeah. Precision Health. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and I know students get uh, special rates, yeah. and like the dungeon ones, like basically free. I it's think. fifty dollars a year for a key to that. Yeah, and I don't think they changed the locks because <laughs> I know residents <laughs> that still use it like think, five years after. I they started changing the locks. Oh, <laughs> they got on to you. Okay, but shoot, and then it's a hundred dollars a year for the one up here. Okay, and I need to go check out this dungeon because yeah. I'm like, what gym is fifty dollars a year? It's <laughs> actually not. It's not when I bad. first started way back in the day. It was disgusting, um, <laughs> but they have definitely. Uh, replaced some equipment and made it more like a gym, less like a dungeon. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like the air quality might not be <laughs> awesome down there, but whatever. It's cheap and yeah, it's open all the time. Air, you can't beat that. Yeah. 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 And you could go to it anytime. Like, there's no yeah. like yeah, twenty four seven. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the other gym is more office is, hours. Yeah. Um, what else is there? So in the saw office on Wednesdays. Mm. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> is the Center for Mindfulness um, uh, put on by uh, Dr. Todd Hill. And um, those happen uh, from 1230 to 1.30 every Wednesday. As well as there is a space in saw um, that you can use uh, if you just need to um, decompress or just have a quiet private space there's almost always an office um, available for our learners to come in and utilize really whatever they need it for um, there is a prayer room um, that's just on top of the uh, security desk when you come in from lot six just on top of there uh, like if you're leaving on the second floor mm -hmm. out to the the people to the parkade yes yes if you just keep walking oh. past that You'll turn right, and if you keep going straight, there's like a family med clinic, but if you turn right, there's offices, and one of those is a, a decent-sized prayer room that have um, carpets and mats and partition, partitioned off. Last time I went there, it was kind of like a little dirty and gross. However, I gave the feedback, and it has been updated, and I don't. I think it's better now. Now I need to go check. Yeah. Yeah. We need yeah. to check all of these yeah. out. Yeah. We'll make a map. Yes. <laughs> and we'll tell you the cleanliness when we make the map. Um, what else? Something else that they started was the Zen Den. Mm. And so there's that room. It has soft lighting. They have snacks, tea, hot chocolate in there. Um, yes. So that's kind of a quiet area that people could go to and... Yes, there's also um, just opened now um, is the uh, student lounge that is um, just down the hall from Saw right. that has a lactation um, space in it or a fa family minding space. Basically, it's uh, if you need a space for you or your children or your spouse and children or you want to visit with your children while you're, anyways. You, that is totally there for, for those purposes. It does have a change table, mm -hmm. um, a sink, a fridge, and then across from that is the nap room. So there's, I think, four or five uh, lazy boys that uh, recline completely. It's blackout, um, it is soundproofed, and uh, a place for people to nap. Great. Mm -hmm. And then the lounge is, is mm -hmm. just a place, a great place to play games and mm -hmm. decompress. and Totally. Mm -hmm. It's good that we have so many places to go here. Mm -hmm. um, 
Something else I wanted to mention, and I'll link this as well, is there's realized modules that we can sign up for, and there's one specific to mental health, uh, about mindfulness, um, so that's another good resource for people to access, and that's part of, you know, that professional development as well, like, as a grad student, you're completely entitled to, you know, take that time to do these modules, mm -hmm. so uh, something good to mention. Um, so for our next theme, we wanted to talk about imposter syndrome and identities. So to start off, would you mind uh, defining imposter syndrome? Yeah, imposter syndrome is um, kind of when you are a very successful person in your field and you doubt your skills, you doubt your talents or your accomplishments, um, and you have this internalized fear of being exposed to others like they'll see that I'm not I'm not really good at this like I'm just faking like your facade is gonna fall to the side and that's kind of what imposter syndrome is mm -hmm. okay thanks for defining that so um, when you notice that you're feeling that way uh, what kind of things would you work on with a therapist at the SAW office um, for imposter syndrome? Mm -hmm. I think I think we get people to start talking about where it's coming from mm -hmm. and situations that they actually do feel confident. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really difficult environment to work in when everyone is functioning at such a high level. Um, and you're looking around and there's so much comparison mm -hmm. of yourself to others. You know, this person is doing the same thing as me and they're doing it better. Um, it's really difficult to talk about imposter syndrome without talking about perfectionism. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it, it is. The two kind of go together. I think. I think you your how you execute um, going through school and and the pressures that you put on yourself sometimes are really high and that's why if you get a few things wrong you think oh I'm I'm a failure I like I can't do this so-and-so might have questioned me in a lab or somebody asked me a question and I couldn't answer and I should know that because so-and-so knows that so I think we really get down to it's called um fact checking I do a lot of fact checking with um, the the students that I meet with um, what is true like really true what do you have proof of um, because a lot of times it's tied to what other people think may think mm -hmm. or they looked at me mm -hmm. and and I think they thought this right so we do a lot of fact checking to challenge imposter syndrome um, what do you know about this what is not real mm -hmm. and they're able to kind of get to the core of it and realize okay this is actually what I know about this situation um, and then they realize they actually do know um, the information that was in front of them sometimes it's just a matter of the self-doubt why they were had a difficulty explaining it in front of people sometimes people are just shy mm -hmm. and introverted and they're not comfortable with talking it doesn't mean that you don't know the information so I think we just challenge it and fact check um, and start getting them to build themselves back up mm -hmm. um, this is tied also with self-esteem um, 
and how people see themselves and the value that they hold of themselves versus what they hold of other people. So I do a lot of work with um, self-concept and how you perceive who you are. And, and we, just start, we just start working on it. One, imposter syndrome does not happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that they work on. So we work on kind of counterbalancing that with positive self-concept and, and fact-checking what's real and, and what's not. Because um, you're here, you got into school, you're, you're passing, you're doing well, um, you're doing it, so you belong here. So let's work on how you're going to see that you belong here. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I think something that also reinforces that is like, for example, in my lab, I'm one of two, two people out of nine that is referred to not by doctor. And so when you have those you know, very clear visual um, titles, like when we get our name tags, you know, it's, it's very clear. And I think that almost contributes to that imposter syndrome and you, um, yeah, you define your self-worth by how many publications you have, um, how your, how positive your results are and things like that. And so I can see like through accessing therapy, how, um, by dealing with imposter syndrome before you defend your thesis or before you tackle these crazy exams that we have to Mm do, how much that would really help too, Mm -hmm. um, for when you do get questions wrong, right? And for that to not be a total blow to the ego. So Mm -hmm. I think that those, those are really good things to talk about. And I, I hope if anyone feels like that, that they, they come Mm -hmm. for help. Um, so one of the things that we also talked about was your identity and, um, a postdoc once said, you know, you spend your whole, your whole twenties dedicated to research. And then that's when you brought up living your life between the goal. So do you think you could talk a bit more to that? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I meet students, like I said, that in the last podcast, I talked a little bit about you've been in school since kindergarten. And a lot of people don't take breaks. They just go straight through. And the goal is, well, it changes, but the goal is graduating. The goal is getting my undergrad degree, getting my master's, and sometimes that flips straight into a PhD program, right? And if you're working towards this, usually we're working towards a job, okay? And a job is just one of the hats that we wear in this life. So I wear a therapist hat, but I'm also, I have a mom hat. Um, But I started with a Keisha hat because that's who I was. That's who I am. Um, That is the, the core of me. So reminding students to still develop their personal hat, like who they actually are, their characteristics at the core, reminding them that um, you could be doing all of this work and something happens and you can't actually be um, a mathematician or a scientist or a therapist or a teacher because something happens. So remembering to develop yourself as a person. So of course that would be a blow if you lost one of your hats. But what are you, what can you turn to, right? Do I still, and and I'm not comparing playing a sport (laughs) to your whole career, I'm not. But what I'm saying is, do you have any likes outside of um, just 
graduating, just becoming like doing your degree, doing your PhD? What what are your likes? Do you do you hang out with friends? Do you have friends? Do you do you play volleyball, basketball? Do you crochet? Like I I don't know what people do, but it's important to still develop those things because while we're waiting um, to get that degree, we are missing life if it's just like oh, in four years, I'm going to have this degree. Okay, well, what what else did you do in the four years? You know, they also say when you go to a funeral, um, a, a funeral home, we, we live in the dash, right? Like our life is is the dash, right? So so what are we doing in, in the meantime while we're getting our PhDs, while we're getting our master's, while we're getting our undergrad um, diplomas? What, what are we doing? It's important. And those are things that you can come to the SAW office, you can meet with your therapist because you're still in there, right? Like you're still in there, mm-hmm. but sometimes it just takes time to slow down mm-hmm. and have somebody remind you that you need to take care of you and develop you as well because you're a lot more than just the degrees that you're going to post up on your wall. Totally. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. And I think it ties into the self-care as well because mm-hmm. you're taking that time for yourself and you're being purposeful with it. Um, so you talked about, you know, how, how do you know who you are outside the goal? You talked about, you know, just trying to discover certain things like sports or arts, things like that. Um, do you have any, uh, advice for where to start with someone who feels completely lost about their identity and they want to remember who they are? Mm -hmm. Um, I think the first thing to remind somebody, because a lot of times they'll say, I wish I was like how I used to be. Mm-hmm. So figuring out what that looks like, we are never who we used to be. Like we can never get back there. Our life experiences help us to grow and mature. So sometimes when they connect with even their 20 year old self and they're 30, um, usually what they're talking about is joy. They're talking about happiness and how they felt during that time. So what we're really trying to do is replicate a feeling right and you can get that feeling back with different things because obviously i enjoyed i don't know jumping rope when i was when i was 10 and sure i still jump rope for different reasons now but yeah back then it was because my friends were outside playing jump rope and i wanted to hang out with them right so i'm connecting to the feeling the freedom maybe that Mm -hmm. i felt so that's always a good place to start with like Okay, what, what are you trying to get back? And then moving towards what you might like might take time when you haven't engaged in outside activities in a really long time. That might look like you asking a friend to go axe throwing with you or you know, just trying a whole bunch of new things. Like maybe you've never rock climbed before um, or maybe you take a class that has nothing to do with your studies, but just because it looks interesting. Um, and you might have to learn yourself again. Like mm-hmm. you might have to reintroduce yourself to you because to, to see what you like. So I think it's discovery. It could, and it could be a lot of fun totally. to figure out what you like and, and what you don't like all over again. So we sometimes start from scratch. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know what I like anymore. I don't. I haven't been to the movies. Sometimes people are like, I haven't been to the movies in years. Well, maybe you go to the movies and you see a whole bunch of different genres and and check it out and see if you like it. Maybe you go to Comic Con. Um, 
or you know you you actually try to get yourself out there mm-hmm. same thing when you don't have friends I I say you know is there anything that interests you in the community maybe that's a good place to start mm-hmm. meeting people with common interests mm-hmm. and building from there that's so helpful and I really appreciate you know being able to touch on all those themes and I think I hope that people listening if they identify with any of those they know that those are valid things to come into this office and talk about you don't have to be on the edge of burnout to come talk about any of these things and more Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up no I think we've covered pretty much everything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, one more thing maybe is the main campus peer support um, for people who wanted to support peers going through things do you think you could touch on that a little bit Joe? I don't actually know a lot about the main campus peer support. Okay. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll add a link. Um, just if people want to um, support peers on main campus, um, it's an alternative for people um, who maybe access therapy at this, uh, this office, and then they can go there after. Um, so something for people to look into if they're interested. Okay, so to end this episode, I'd like to thank you both for your time and willingness to share your valuable knowledge uh, with the graduate students. I know I've learned so much from talking to both of you, and I'm certain that others will too. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.